Well, good morning and, and, and welcome to the Summer House here in Petworth. It's really lovely to be with you this morning. Uh, just before the coronavirus hit, I started to read the book of Jonah and little did I realise that it wouldn't be long before we'd been in our, our own lockdown with no exit strategy. And the particular bit that has been blessing me is that the, um, the, the prayer of Jonah in Jonah chapter 2. So I thought I'd just like to start by just reading that uh, this morning. In my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots, to the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in for ever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Uh, so, um, Jonah chapter 2 is, is very, pro, is very pro, um, poetic. So it's a job to know exactly what happened, but I envisaged it was something like this, that Jonah is taken off the boat and he's thrown into the sea. I imagine that instinctively he cried out, Lord, help me. And he, and he sunk down into the depths of the sea. Uh, the way the, 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 this poetry is phrased, you almost get this feeling that he was sort of up and down in this water. Maybe he comes up to the surface and takes a gulp and then he finds himself being sucked down again. And, uh, and, and in that sucking down, he says that the seaweed was uh, wrapped around him and then he hits rock bottom. He says he hits the, the, the seabed and he says that my life is ebbing away. I think at that moment he's still, um, he's still praying instinctively. It's, it's the sort of God help me, God get me out of this as quickly as you can. I think there's been a lot of instinctive uh, praying recently, both inside the church and outside the church. It's interesting, you just hear people on television say, well, our prayers are with you, and probably people saying things like that that wouldn't normally uh, even contemplate prayer. So I think that this was an instinctive prayer. It's worth remembering, isn't it, that Jonah at this point was not really on speaking terms with God. I quite like this picture of this boat with this multi-faith prayer meeting going on upstairs on the deck. And down below, the man who probably prided himself in worshipping the true and the living God was actually not even on speaking terms with God. There were too many elephants in the room. There were too many non-negotiables. And so Jonah finds himself just praying instinctively but at some point, a fish swallows Jonah up. I imagine at that point, Jonah didn't know, is this good news or is it bad news? But it begins to dawn on him, after a few minutes really, that at least he's, he's alive, he's safe. And he finds himself stuck inside the belly of the fish. Something I think profound happens to Jonah when he gets inside of the fish. 
locked in there for what started off to be a few hours and then he went to, to sleep as it were and wakes up in the morning and finds it's another day. He finds himself locked in this confinement and during that confinement something happens to Jonah's prayer life. He goes from instinctive praying, just God help me, get me out of this as quickly as possible. He, he goes into a deeper engaging relationship with God. And that's been one of my prayers um, throughout this last four weeks. I've really been praying uh, that I will go deeper with God. Jonah chapter 2, it feels to me like a metaphor of, of depth. You, that as Jonah sunk deeper and deeper and then hit rock bottom, he went deeper and deeper and discovered and engaged with God again. I don't think we're going to get this opportunity again. I don't think you don't end up in the belly of a fish in the middle of the Mediterranean more than once in your life. And I doubt that we're ever going to experience anything quite like we're experiencing today. And, and my heart's cry for myself and for everybody is, please God, may we not waste this. May it take us into something deeper than we've ever been before. And so in verse 1 he says, In my distress... I called to the Lord and the Lord answered me. And one of the first things that Jonah realised in this confinement, in this period of being locked in, was his desperate need of God. In the words of the old hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee. You know, almost every morning for the last uh, few weeks, I've been waking up with quite a degree of anxiety. Sometimes really early, sometimes my normal waking time. But some days the anxiety has been general. It's been just a general sense of something's wrong, um, something's not quite right, and what, how are we going to cope with all this? And sometimes it's been very specific anxiety, you know, about things like, you know, well, Hazel is on the high risk level. How, what will happen if Hazel gets corona? And, and how do we protect? And... And what about Andrew stuck down there in a room without seeing family and, and without seeing many friends for this period of time? So sometimes the anxiety has been general, sometimes it's been specific, sometimes it's been manageable, um, and sometimes it's been quite acute. But there's been this feeling of anxiety. And of course on top of the anxiety comes incredible guilt. Jonathan, if you were a man of God you would be able to handle this. If you were a man of God, you'd arm yourself with the promises of God. Every day you'd read and confess Psalm 91, that this thing will not come near you, and you would just walk through this. And if you were a man of God, Jonathan, you would be a shining example to the world around of what it is to be a child of God, and we would set the world this great example of faith and victory. So there was this terrible not only guilt, uh, not only anxiety, but the guilt on top of that. Well, this verse, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord, has been such a blessing to me. Every morning, I just lay there for the first few minutes, and I just say, Father God, I need you today. I need you to help me through this day. I need to help you with my moods. I need you. I just need you, God. This phrase, in my distress, has been a great blessing to me because actually we find it right through the Bible. And, and we don't only find it on, on the lips of runaway prophets like Jonah. We, we find it on the lips of a man like David, 
who is described as a man after God's own heart. So even a man after God's heart gets to this stage where he feels, God, I desperately need you. And, and, and I, if there's one phrase I'd like to leave with you this morning, it's a phrase that's been bubbling in me since last September, but it's, it's really come to the fore in these last four weeks, is need as worship. Need as worship. My bringing my need of God to God is actually my greatest act of worship. You know, I've taught grace all my life and despite all our talk about grace, I think deep down we still feel that God is after our, weak, our, our strengths, he's after our successes, he's after our victories, those are the things which really bring him glory and, and those are the things which magnify the Lord, these wonderful uh, stories of victory. But actually what we discover in this is that Jonah's greatest act of worship was to bring God his need. God, I need you. God is honoured in our need. Paul explains it like this. Paul says that um, we carry this treasure, this, this glorious treasure of God, in earthen vessels so that the surpassing glory and the power might go to God and not to man you see the creature still needs the creator the sheep still need the shepherd the child still needs the parent we so easily don't we we grow independent of God and one of the things that the coronavirus has taught us is that, God, we are desperately, desperately in need of you. And rather than seeing that as a negative, I'm beginning to see this as a new place of worship as we daily bring our need and our vulnerability to God. I think when Jonah leaves home and he sets off in the opposite direction to Nineveh uh, and, he, and he goes down and he buys his ticket with his money, in the direction that he wants to go he feels totally in control of his life he feels he can even go downstairs and sleep nothing can touch him until he finds himself inside of the belly of a fish and he realizes that god i desperately need you i can't do anything without you one of the great mantras of um, modern thinking and psychology and teaching is you can be what you want to be you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Don't let anybody stop you. There is no limit. The only limit is yourself. And you can dream your dreams and you can be and do whatever you want. And young people have been peddled that lie. And one of the things that this virus has taught us is without you, God, we can do nothing. Until Jonah finds himself inside the belly of a fish, he feels independent of God. And so I just want to leave that thought with you this morning. My, my need is my highest act of worship. Some of you this morning might feel that you're not doing very well. You might feel, you might associate with some of my feelings in terms of at times being very anxious. You might feel that it's revealed some attitudes in you that aren't great. You might feel that in lockdown you haven't been as gracious and as loving. Well, I just want to tell you this. The thing that we can do is to cry out to God and turn our need into worship. 
And actually, it's quite a profound thought that need as worship, because it means that the weakest amongst us can be the worship, a worship leader or a leader in worship. It means that I, in my I'm a perpetual worshipper. It means I don't need a guitar, I don't need a, a, an organ. All I need is my need. And all the time I've got my need and I'm pouring that out to God, I'm bringing forth an act of worship. You know, we talk a lot, don't we, about when we get back to normal. Well, this state that we're describing this morning, biblically, that is normal. It is normal for the creature to need the creator. It's need for the prodigal son to need the embrace of his dad. There is a need to pray the daily prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. This is, this is normal. This is biblical normal. And so there at rock bottom, with all the seaward entwining him, and with his life ebbing away, he's expecting the judgment of God, he's expecting the wrath of God, but as he gets inside of the fish, he discovers again the grace of God. He says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace. All the things that we gather around us, they protect us from the grace of God. And this is a new day for discovering the depth of God's love for us, the depth of God's grace. And it's a new day for us to pour out our constant need of him and to be a worshipping community. Well, may God bless you in this very unusual season of our lives. And may we be increasingly those who are livers of worship of the living God. Amen.